We so thank you for joining us at Connections Podcast. We, as educators of human connection, invite and encourage healing and facilitate personal growth through impeccable honesty, rigorous personal responsibility, and vulnerable humility. We invite everyone who's interested in gaining greater connection with oneself, others, and God to continue on your educational road to happiness and joy through our simple yet life-changing three-step curriculum. First, search our library for personal learning, podcasts, videos, and workbooks. Second, register with our classroom for familial, parental, expert, and business classes. And third, join our community for personal coaching and group practicums. Thank you again and enjoy our podcast. Thank you. Sincerely, thank you for joining me um, on uh, this day. And um, the topic of today's podcast is about vulnerability and experience. Um, Because all of us on the planet are experiencing constantly, 24-7, we're experiencing. And because we're all so vulnerable, um, I'd like to weave in and out the different characteristics and um, uh, places that we land around these cycles that we choose to go into. I've been trying to kind of slow down experience and slow down our vulnerability so that we can um, see with our eyes and see with our emotions um, how choice plays such a central role in the types of experiences that we have. Now, a few years ago, if somebody would have told me that, I would have probably said, there's no way. I mean, there's experiences that just show up and my choice has nothing to do with them. And now with a little bit more wisdom, I see that my choice has everything to do with the experiences that I actually uh, participate in because my ability to choose is what creates my perceptions and therefore creates my emotion. And as I am perceiving and emoting, I then make behavioral choices to act, thus creating another experience. And so inside of these thousands and thousands of experiences that we each have on a daily and weekly basis, we are um, uh, interplaying with experience as it presents itself to us. And we get to choose whether we go into a disconnection, what I'll call cycle, which is distortion cycle, or whether we choose to go into a connection cycle, which is uh, a truth cycle. Now, connection and truth are not the absence of pain. There is such a thing as inevitable pain in this world. And today in the podcast, I'm going to share what I'm experiencing in my real time life that is incredibly painful. Um, And I am doing the best that I know how to stay as conscious as I know how inside this inevitable pain that I think as I share this with you, everyone will relate to at some level because everybody has lost something, uh, whether it's a loved one or something that means a lot to them, or maybe you've lost your um, integrity, but loss is a part of everybody's experience. And as you are inside of an experience that's presenting an inevitable pain that you cannot control, because that's what inevitable is, you absolutely have the power to engage with this experience inside this cycle of truth, where you are deliberate about your perceptions and critiquing your perceptions for truth and 
uh, recognizing how you feel and being willing to feel the emotions that correspond with the experience that you're having and the perceptions that you're choosing to have. Even though, even though those emotions may be incredibly painful, you're still willing to stay connected to the truth and therefore feel emotions that are painful. And as you perceive and feel, you then make behavioral choices inside truth. You keep truth present where you stay aligned to the facts. You stay aligned to what is eternal um, and you separate between what is truth versus what is true. And your truths, um, as you experience your emotion, are aligned to truths, which is uh, connected to your perceptions. So life, what a ride life is, you know? We all have 24 hours in each day. And we don't know how many of those days we're going to get. And yet how conscious, how deliberate are we in engaging each second, each minute, each hour? And I'll tell you over this weekend, each second, each minute, each hour has a whole different meaning to me. For some of us, we have such pain, such pain, not just inevitable pain, but lots of optional pain. So pain that we create like suffering. And for others of us, we have less pain. So why is that? It's a question that I've had. Why is that? Why do some of us have a whole bunch of pain and it appears that others have less pain? And I would invite us to look at the caliber of our choices because it's really easy to go into, well, my life is just harder than yours. And I don't know that that's the case. I don't know that. I think that uh, a lot of it has to do with the choices that we make and whether our choices are inside truth slash distortion. So um, here's my experience. Uh, about six, seven weeks ago, my mother, who's 83 years old, um, fell and broke her hip. And probably for many people, uh, we're aware that when elderly people break their hips, they go downhill pretty quickly and die pretty quickly, you know, after breaking a major bone like that. Um, but my mother is very healthy and, um, and quite a fighter. And she uh, received a surgery to fix her hip and put in a, you know, some metal into her hip. And she went to a hospital care center to heal. She was there for about two or three weeks and, uh, she got up, um, to walk someplace and she fell again and broke it again. And so she was again in the care center for a longer period of time. She was there for another month. So during this month, um, she was recuperating from her hip breaking and the nurse kept telling us that, um, you know, her vitals are good, her heart is good, her breathing's good. She's got another, you know, 10, 15 years in her because she's so healthy. And so all of us siblings, we were just waiting for her to heal substantially so that she could come home and, um, you know, continue living her life um, uh, with her children. And Thursday, so today is Sunday, Thursday, I got a phone call saying that your mother's taken a turn for the worse and she only has a few days to live. And I thought, what? How, how did that happen? So the nurse explained to me that um, she has a bowel obstruction and, and uh, she's not, she's not uh, going to get out of this without surgery. And... And the doctor suggested that uh, surgery would probably take her life. She wouldn't make it through surgery because they would have to cut her, like fillet her stomach open and um, uh, be very obviously invasive. And so we decided as her children that she, that's not something that she'd want to have happen. So we've put her on hospice and the doctor has given her till Monday, which is tomorrow to live. So, Wow. Wow. Experience. I have been thinking about this experience, um, 
every moment of the last four days. And I've been through all sorts of thoughts and feelings, and I have cried and cried and cried, and I just wasn't ready for this. I was planning on her being around at least for another year. Um, and so to get that kind of news that she went from really healthy to she only has a few days to live was just a shock to me. So there it is, experience. And before we actually experience things, we need to talk about vulnerability. Okay. So I tell you that story because I want to interweave this story um, throughout this podcast and connect it to these principles. So the first principle is that we're vulnerable. We as humans live in an inescapable state of vulnerability. We are vulnerable to sickness and aging and death, pain, confusion, sadness, loss, grief, hunger, lack of information. We're vulnerable to our own poor choices and others' choices. Broken trust, deceit, fraud, violence, disasters, and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. We are vulnerable. The state of vulnerability means we live, quote unquote, out of control. We cannot control our environments. We cannot even control our own heartbeat. Acknowledging how vulnerable we can be is very uncomfortable. And therefore, we as humans struggle to live in that, inside that reality that we are vulnerable. Instead, many of us want to feel invincible, powerful, and in control. So we go towards anything that gives us the illusion of control, like gossip, envy, lies, lust, addictions, compulsions, comparisons, competitions, being the best, keeping up with the Joneses, manipulating drama, fantasy, drugs, egotism, lust for money or power, distorted anger, aggression, war, violence, and anything that gives us the illusion of power. However, the reality is that despite all the work we do to escape our vulnerability, we are vulnerable. When we choose to accept this crucial fact of our existence, we will become emotionally open and raw and real and willing to share ourselves. We admit we are weak. We admit that we need help. We admit we communicate. We need to communicate our emotions. We need to ask for validation and take responsibility for the outcomes of our choices. We accept the reality as it is. Vulnerability means you are willing to align your choices and your life with the objective truth and reality outside of you, regardless of what you want or wish reality were. Wow. Is that ever true for me this weekend? Vulnerability requires you to risk emotionally and to put yourself in a position where you will experience pain, upset, and discomfort. And accepting your vulnerability creates peace, stability, and face-to-face -face the reality of your life. Vulnerability is connection and freedom. And I would strongly um, underscore that last piece, that... that um, Vulnerability is connection and freedom. I have felt incredibly connected to my um, memories of my life with my mother. All of it, the stuff that was not pleasant, the things that were pleasant, and wish her safe passing. So vulnerability. Vulnerability precedes experience. Because it, it, it's like underlies, it belies experience. It's always there. The second you were born, you were vulnerable. So I look at vulnerability like this. It's like it, it's a path, okay? And the first, the first beginning um, pieces of vulnerability were when you were born. You were born into the world, and immediately when you entered this world, you were vulnerable. Okay. And so all of us have X amount of days that we're living on the world, in the world. And your vulnerability is as fixed as, say, your height is. So I'm five, three and a half when I stand up straight. <laughs> and I'm very aware that as I age, I start shrinking. However, that was my, that was my tallest point. <laughs> and so I am that height, just like I am vulnerable. I can't change it. My eyes are a certain color. And so we all get X amount of time on the planet 
to experience this vulnerability. And the way that we experience it is through experience. That's how we experience vulnerability is through experience. And we are having, like I said, thousands of experiences each day, thousands of them. And how is that? Because our experience is, or excuse me, our vulnerability means that we are um, susceptible to all of our senses, right? Um, our uh, things are sensory. So our sight, sound, touch, smell, taste, and I'm going to add in there intuit. We're also vulnerable to our perceptions and to our emotions and to the choices that we make. We're vulnerable. So we, we make those kind of choices, how we perceive and how we feel, and we can go back and forth. We can remember how we thought and felt in the past. We can remember how we thought and, or, or how we might think and feel in the future and how we're thinking and feeling right now in the present. And, and that whole array is available at any second for us. Um, so I want to give an example of being vulnerable. So let's say that I'm on day 13,248, okay? That's what day of life I'm on. I don't know that I'm going to get 13,249. I don't know that. My mother is not going to have that. She's, her days are numbered. Um, but for me, I don't foresee anything that would stop me from having 13,249 days or 2,050 days. So, um, my job is to, when I wake up is to experience my vulnerability and I want to perceive it inside truth. But if I perceive it inside truth, I have to be willing to feel inevitable pain because being willing to experience the reality inside the experience is what allows me to be connected. And so the death of someone that I love is painful. And if I will stay inside that experience, then I will be able to stay connected with the experience. So experience is not good or bad. It, it just is. And so as I start off my day, you know, let's say I wake up and um, here are my experiences. I wake up at 318 in the morning. Okay. And I um, feel my sheets on my legs. Now, remember, all of the sen all of the sensory is present constantly, and my perception of the sensory, um, and my emotions around the sensory, and also how I want to behave around the sensory sensory experiences, and I can experience that in the present, in the past, and also in the future. Okay, so here's here's a few minutes in my day. Okay, for example. I wake up at 318. And the reason I know that is I opened my eyes and I saw big 318 on the clock. I felt my sheets on my legs and noticed they were crisp and cold. So that was a physical sensation. I felt a sense of relaxation and calm and fluffed my pe pillow and comfortably went back to sleep. Um, I recognized... Excuse me. I recognized how still and quiet it was outside um, and that I couldn't or didn't hear my son coughing. He's got a cold. And I remember thinking, wow, I, I don't hear him coughing. So hopefully he's resting peacefully. But that was that all happened within just seconds of the minute 318. That was a lot of experience that I had. So then I woke up again and uh, noticed a, a slight bit of light in the room and noticed I felt rested and opened my eyes and appreciated the warmth of my covers and how soft my bed is. And I felt a feeling of peace and it was six thirty-eight AM. I pulled the comforter off and I could hear the, sh the sheets moving and felt the brisk cold of the room. And, um, I put my feet down on the floor in my cozy, um, fluff or, um, uh, woolly piece of carpet and my flip-flops were on the side of the bed. I put them on as to not um, walk on the cold tile. I anticipated not wanting to walk on the cold tile floor. And as I did that, I noticed the, the, um, the, uh, uh, the, I'm sorry, how I had painted my nails the night before. And I noticed my painted toenails and thought how pretty they were. And I wiggled my toes. 
So that all happened within those few seconds of 638. I could feel the strength of my body and a sensation of being hungry as I walked and turned on the heater. I could smell the leftover scents of bacon that was cooked the night before in the house. So that was a, um, a past, uh, I could smell it in the present, but I remembered it from the past. So I walked down the stairs and could feel the sturdiness of my legs underneath me. And I was thinking about the conversation I had the night before with a neighbor and about her upset around her mother um, being treated in a particular way. Um, at a nursing home and how tragic I thought that was and how I could help her, um, you know, talk to the staff so that uh, she would be treated better. I also felt um, upset at how little disregard they had for a helpless elderly woman and how disconnected they must have been. I thought about the massive widespread of disconnection and I felt grief. I could tell the pain of these thoughts invited me to distract the vulnerability of that truth was uncomfortable as I thought about that, and I could tell that I wanted to distract from it. I continued to the kitchen, got a glass of out of the cupboard, and ran some water from the faucet into my cup, and remembered the many places that I had traveled uh, that did not have that luxury. I felt sad and grateful at the same time as I drank the smooth water and noticed and experienced the sensation of feeling refreshed and satisfied. I thought water is so good for my body. There was lotion by the sink, and I opened up the lid and squirted a drop into my hand. I could smell its sweet, tangy scent as it dropped into my hand. I thought how silky it feels on my hands and how I appreciated the moisture. I walked over um, next... I walked over next to the floor vent and stood on the vent as the heat blew from the floor. I felt warmed and comfortable. I was cold, especially after drinking cold water, and now I felt warm. As I stood there, I was reminded of my responsibilities today, and I felt overwhelmed with tax, tasks and commitments. And yet, I felt satisfied because all of them included interactions with people that I care about. I experienced a sense of energy to go and engage my day and connect. So that all happened um, within about three and a half minutes. And there were other things that were going on that I wasn't even aware of, um, that as I think back, I could have added to that list. But the experiences were just numerous in just three and a half minutes. So that's what being vulnerable is, is staying inside those experiences. And I, the one place that I felt myself wanting to pull away was when I felt pain around how I thought about my neighbor and how poorly her mother was being treated and how I felt hopeless. I felt vulnerable. I was vulnerable because I was. I was hopeless. I couldn't help her. I couldn't help my neighbor. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't make that go away. I couldn't change the people who were treating her badly, I couldn't change it. And I felt my desire to pull away and distract. So interesting. And I was very aware of that. And so what I chose to do was stay inside the discomfort and just feel it. And it connected with my experience. My mother is being treated lovely and wonderfully. People are very kind to her. And she's not having the same experience. And so I thought, you know, that just isn't, isn't reasonable. And then I went into distortion and said, it's not fair, <laughs> which I recognized. So experience, these are all experiences. And inside experience from this position of being vulnerable is where connection or disconnection happens. If I am willing to stay in truth inside my experience and therefore, that means be vulnerable. I will stay connected. I will stay connected to the, the truth about the experience. I will stay connected to the people that are inside the experience. And if other people inside that experience stay connected, then they too will connect with me. So I can't force another person to connect, but I can be connected and be available for them to connect with me as long as I'm willing to stay inside the reality slash the vulnerability of the experience. However, so often we run away from vulnerability because there's pain. We distract, and I'm going to show you how we do this as we go along this, this cycle called disconnection cycle or distortion cycle. So experience, the way that we experience, and again, vulnerability is always um, underneath experience. We experience life through oppositional forces. So 
my experience this weekend is an oppositional force of death. So there's birth and now there's death. There's good and bad. There's cold and hot. There's safe and unsafe. There's up and down. There's black and white. There's yes and no. And all of those oppositional forces are just neutral. They're there for us to experience. Our sense is taking the data. And this is where our perception comes from. Our sensory uh, world gathers information and then we perceive. And if we'll just perceive neutrally, then we won't have this, this other place of optional pain <clears throat> that says something's bad, something's wrong, something's, you know, this shouldn't be happening. Life isn't fair. And so our meaning, we place meaning onto what we're experiencing. And especially if there's any kind of pain or discomfort or disease, many of us will go right into distortion, just like a rapid fire, go right there. We don't have to. We can go into truth if we'd like. And we make the experience personal, especially if we didn't have much um, help uh, as a child um, making correct interpretations about experience. Um, many of us did not have that help as a child. And so we don't know how to experience life other than going right into fear and saying things are bad and they just aren't they just things are things just are and as we experience these oppositional experiences um there there's pain in them death can be painful and yet it can also be something that um can bring wisdom and knowledge to a person so let's first go to the disconnection cycle, the distortion cycle. Okay. Um, and distortion and disconnection uh, are about either you don't know how to experience. Okay. And so you disconnect. You don't know how to hold experience in truth or you're unwilling to experience in truth. And truth um, always uh says you've got to stay vulnerable. You have to stay inside the reality of the experience. So you either don't know how to do that or you're unwilling to do that. So, um, as I explained my experience and I've had hundreds, if not thousands of thoughts and perceptions, um, in the last four days, my job is to stay inside the reality of this experience, which is my mother will be passing on within hours. And so here's the distortion cycle. If I'm not willing to stay inside the vulnerability, here's how it happens. You ready? And I'm going to describe the truth cycle right after this. So I want to slow down experience so that you can see these different places that all of us go into. All right. So that you can um, like slow down your own experience and, and stop yourself if you choose um, at any point around this cycle. And make a different decision so that you can get out. Because really, the truth is, is that you don't have to stay inside disconnect. You can move into connection if you're willing to change the way that you think. So um, disconnect or distortion is an outcome of making choices, choosing an action that's contrary to truth. And truth is about being honest, responsible, and humble. How inauspicious is it to be making choices and having outcomes that are helping you and possibly um, the ones that you love? Every person has a right, a responsibility to choose either direction of connection or disconnection. There's only two paths and each path uh, will lead to either connection or disconnection. As humans, we, are very, we very naturally seek ways to assuage pain. We then try to ameliorate our emotional pain by using strategies that are full of distraction and control and distortion. These strategies cut off our emotions and numb us until it is very uncomfortable and it's hard to feel. This is called emotional disconnect, detachment from our emotional experiences. In this disconnected state, we struggle to love, recognize truth, or create intimate relationships. Disconnect, disconnection is an egocentric condition in which we isolate ourselves and refuse to feel compassion. Disconnection is full of distortion. It has fear in it, has anger in it. The antidote to disconnection is accepting your vulnerability and being responsible and honest about your emotions inside your experience. I'll tell you, that, is, that sounds so simple, but it's so frightening for us to do that. 
The single core component that creates disconnection is called distortion. Distortion has been called other names such as shame, lies, dishonesty. However, it is not common to know what I'm lying about or being dishonest about or what's going on inside of me. The word disconnect clears up all of that confusion. I'm sorry, not disconnect. The word distortion clears up all of that confusion. Distortion means distorting the truth. Distorting the truth. Any thought, word, common idea, belief, perspective, perception, anything your mind creates or thinks that is not a truth will be in distortion. So um, distortion is a deviation from the truth. And so in order to know truth, you must know distortion. Truth and distortion are those oppositional forces we were just talking about. And they allow us an opportunity to experience the full effects of the experience. Truth and the full experiences of, of distortion. When a person begins to recognize that they are using their agency to choose either truth or distortion because of their choices, uh, they begin to awaken to the power of choice. That their choices are inseparably connected to outcomes. And at times, particular outcomes. For example, if I choose to jump off anything that is raised in the air, a stool, a building, a plane, the outcome will be that I'll fall to the ground. Why? Because of the laws of gravity. If I choose to exceed the speed limit, the outcome is that I possibly will receive a ticket. If I choose to uh, call someone a mean name that they experience is hurtful, could be the outcome. And someone could feel hurt. So the first um, distortion, a, or the, the first distorted selfish thought, which creates a self-focused feeling, and then a false belief says, I'm not enough, I'm bad, I'm unworthy, my needs don't matter, I'm inadequate, and I don't deserve. This is called self-denigration. We're going to go over that more in detail. The other distorted thought, which creates a self-focused feeling, and then a false belief that says, I'm better than others, I'm unique, I'm special, I can do what I want, I'm the exception, I'm perfect, I always get it right. I don't have to follow the rules, is called self-adulation. These two distorted thoughts set up a false dichotomy, two great seductive and convincing lies. Both are representative of selfishness, and it's a luring and enticing trap. Distortion's invitation is to define oneself or one's identity as less than others. Statements that reinforce this lie include, I'm not enough, I'm dumb, I'm incapable, I can't do it, I'm unlovable, I don't deserve. This is called denigration. And the second lie, distortion's invitation is to define oneself as better than. Statements that reinforce this lie is, I'm perfect, I always get it right, I should have what I want, I don't have to, I'm different and special and unique. And this is called self-adulation. So we're going to be going over those two in greater detail here in a minute. So inside this distortion disconnection cycle, the first thing that happens because we're vulnerable, so that's just the state of, of, of our experience is vulnerable, is that when we have an experience, we then perceive, perceive, and our perceptions are about what we think, what we feel and what we behave, how we behave. And it's this sensory experience of our past, present, and future. I just talked about that a minute ago. So our perceptions create our motives. Our perceptions create our motives. So what we perceive and then what we feel and then what we choose to do with our perceptions and, and emotions um, is our behavioral outcomes. Those things after we choose over and over and over and over and over again, we start perceiving a particular way. And that produces our motives. So perceptions. A perce what is a perception? A perception is a personal interpretation of an experience, an environment, a person, an object, a situation, a trauma. It's a personal interpretation of a place or a location, an idea, an ideology, or anything else I see, hear, feel, smell, taste, touch, etc. Perception is the ability to have understanding or insight about myself, others, and my surroundings. To perceive means to observe, to have consciousness and awareness of elements in, in, in one's environment. However, 
perception is separate from the reality and can reflect on my own biases, my own unconsciousness, my own unawareness, my own ideologies and so forth. In this way, I can construct my reality. On the other hand, perceptions can represent the neutral, in-person, and unbiased facts of the reality. Therefore, perception is unique in that each person has their own interpretation of reality. Perceptions have monumental power. Monumental power. Perceptions are personal in that we view everything through our own unique filter. We use our senses, our taste, our touch, smell, sight, and hearing. We use our senses and beliefs about ourselves and others, our values, our traumas, both healed and unhealed, our knowledge, our understandings, our fears, our entire entitlements, our expectations, our distortions, everything we think, believe, or feel about ourselves and others, consciously or unconsciously, plays into the way that we perceive the world and our environment. Wow. You can see how we could angle things, right? Because my perceptions create my beliefs about my reality, I must be aware and awake to my ever-changing feelings, my ever-changing perceptions, beliefs, ideology, as well as the facts connected to my situations, connected to my experiences and events, the who, what, when, where, and how. If I am unaware of how all these elements interact inside me, I will not be able to differentiate my reality from the reality. My reality is also called my big picture quote unquote. My big picture includes what is true for me or my truth, my truth, not to be confused with the big picture of the truth. It may not be true to anyone else, but it is true for me. I need to recognize that my truth and my reality are not necessarily the truth and the reality. I need to stay humble, open, pliable, and make sure I don't take my truth and try to impose it on others. This is inappropriate and creates tension and conflict inside me and with other people. So uh, perceptions are a big deal and it's how we see the world. We each experience our environments, relationships, externals and experience through our own unique perceptive lens. And then we call our perceptions the truth. And that's not accurate. It is my truth. The truth involves facts like the reality, the things that actually are happening that are knowable by a third party and things that are eternal, things that, that have been around since the beginning. So how do we perceive? We experience life and synthesize it in our own particular way, which includes, but it's not limited to, we perceive through our hurts, our judgments, our physical stamina or not, our fears, our values, our morals, our undealt with pains and traumas, our spiritual practices, our beliefs, our emotions, our relationships. We put life's experiences and events through a battery of voting. And each one of these fragments listed above gets to cast a ballot for what it believes about the experience. Our perception comes out on a conveyor belt as the truth. Thus saith me. So that's totally fine. <laughs> we just have to know that that's our perception and to not try to impose it on somebody else. So perceptions create motives and motives are the thing that drives us. Once we perceive something, then we have this feeling of how we want to, to you know, make our choices. And so we're, we're talking about the disconnection cycle and the distortion cycle. Okay. So here's what a motive is. Your motive is the emotional and spiritual energy or belief system propelling your choices. This energy or belief system is underneath everything you think, feel, and choose. At the core of this energy is either the willingness, humility to be hundred percent responsible for yourself or the unwillingness, lack of humility to be responsible for yourself. On this hinge, the willingness to be responsible, your motive swings either into truth or distortion. And whichever direction your motive points, truth or distortion, your perceptions and your meanings, your interpretations, your emotions, your choices and outcomes will follow. The energy of your emotions, of your motives, creates the themes of your life, whether in truth, which are honesty, responsibility, peace, love, virtue, serenity, freedom, or distortion, dishonesty, irresponsibility, fear, hatred, vice, denial, discord, enslavement. So that's what a motive is. You choose what motivates you. 
The gift of choice constantly invites you to choose. You are never locked into either mindset, distortion or truth. Therefore, you may choose to engage either distortion or truth whenever you desire. It's that oppositional experience again. However, you cannot control the outcomes that follow the choices you make. Outcomes are set. If you choose motives and truth, you will experience peace and all the characteristics that comes with choosing truth. If you choose motives and distortions, you will experience optional pain. And you get to choose, which is so sweet. And you can choose anytime you want. So inside this motive, um, in distortion, I start feeling fear. Okay, because I'm, I'm trying to describe, I'm not trying, I am describing this cycle of disconnect or this distortion cycle. So um, I have experience, I perceive it, it creates an emotion, or excuse me, it creates motives, and then I feel fear. And fear says, this means something about me, the experience. This means something bad about me, right? And this is where self-adulation and self-denigration come in, okay, right here. Here's where it comes. So self-adulation um, is what I just talked about a minute ago. It talks about I'm better than somebody else. And self-denigration says I'm less than somebody else. So um, there are podcasts that talk about uh, distortion in great detail. So I won't go into that detail on this uh, podcast. But once I um, feel fear and I, I go right into either adulating or denigrating, because I've said to myself that this experience that I'm having means something bad about me or something that I don't like or something that's going to hurt me or something that I feel like I should be able to control. It's just something bad. <laughs> and so I go right into control. I go right into it from fear. I go into adulating, denigrating, and then I go right into trying to control. Now the control that I'm experiencing is me trying to control the fear that I just experienced. I'm trying to control the fear that this experience that just happened, it means something bad or unlovable or not enough or, or distasteful or painful that's going to either happen to me or it's about me. And then that's why I go into this adulation, denigration slash denial. That's what happens is I try to control it. So here are statements I use to try to control. And denial, when I go into denial, denial legitimizes the distorted thoughts, the self-adulation and denigration and says, that's reasonable, or it wasn't your fault, or it's not that big of a deal, or I didn't know when the truth is you did know. So I go right into control. Now, remember, all of these places that I stop along this cycle, um, because I am choosing, choosing to keep perceiving inside fear and adulation and denigration and control, I keep experiencing more fear, keeps reinforcing itself, more and more fear. And so once I go into control, I then try to distract. I then try to distract. Actually, I want to I share something with you. So here's what distortion looks like. Distortion sounds like this. So distortion is adulating and denigrating. So um, here's some examples. I dropped my cell phone and it broke. And that means, okay, here's the, the experience was I dropped my cell phone and it broke, period. That's the experience. And then I put my adulation and denigration on top of it. And I say, and that means I'm an idiot. Whoa. Uh, I pulled my gloves off in the wintertime. My wedding ring came off. Um, and I never saw it again. And that means I'm unworthy to wear a ring. Can you hear the lies in this? So I keep giving myself new experiences. It's horrible. Uh, a colleague said she liked my outfit that I wore. So that's the experience. And then I said, I looked the best out of anyone in the room. <laughs> Went right into adulating. I want the spelling bee, period. That's the experience. But because I'm in such fear, I said, and that means I'm smarter than everyone else in my class. I get my two-year-old to sip of my Coke and she coughed all over my face, period. That's the experience. That's it. But because I'm in fear, I'm in distortion, I said, and that means I'm a bad dad. I slipped on the ice as I walked to my car after work. There's the experience. And in distortion, that means there's something wrong with me. 
I was prompted at work. Or not prompted. I was promoted at work. And that means everyone thinks I'm a great guy. And if they don't think that, then they're wrong. Hear the adulation in that? My girlfriend said she doesn't like me. That's what she said. But I put a spin on it of control and fear and adulation and denigration. It says, I'll never be loved by anyone. I was invited to a party and Rick, um, I was invited to the party and Rick wasn't. And that means I'm more important than him. I won the game tonight, which made me undefeated for the year, period. But then I distort it and say, winning is in my blood and I never lose. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So that's what I keep doing when I'm inside distortion and disconnect. I just keep the fear, the control, the distorted perceptions, my motives, and I just keep distracting, distracting, distracting. So as I go into this controlling posture, this denigrating, adulating posture, I want to try to control the fear. I want to control this stuff that, and this means, and this means, and this means. That's what I'm trying to control. So what do I do? I go right into distraction. And here are some acting out behaviors that I engage in when I'm trying to distract. I um, go into anger outbursts. I feel entitled. I uh, um, invite people into guilt trips. I go into drama. I start lusting. I give people the silent treatment. I isolate. I blame. I can self-harm. I can start biting my nails. Um, I go into social media. I go to Netflix and Hulu. I start eating. I start cleaning. I start fantasizing about a perfect life, a perfect husband, children, in-laws. I start texting. I listen to music, TV. I start popping my knuckles. I stay busy. I eat chocolate. I online shop. I start picking up my face or my pimples. I watch movies, news, audiobooks. I start being funny or cracking jokes. I act like I'm a victim. I watch sports news and make light of serious topics. I may start drinking or bragging or sleeping or fiddling with my hair or chewing gum. I go to a lot of fast food restaurants. I can engage in my emails. I can start working from a place of distraction. I engage in sarcasm, flirting, keeping up with the, the, um, my image, keeping up my image. I can uh, start avoiding eye contact. I engage in doing laundry or puzzles because I keep perceiving in fear. I keep perceiving inside denigration and adulation. So I'm trying to distract myself. And again, I keep creating more and more experiences. And so I have additional control and fear, control and fear. And so I start experiencing my life from a position of fear, fear, because every time I have an experience and I'm vulnerable, I don't keep it in truth. I put it into distortion. And so I have another experience. My girlfriend says she doesn't like me. That's an experience. And right there, I could choose to go into truth, but I don't. I keep it in distortion because I fear I'm not enough. I fear my vulnerability. So I try to control my vulnerability. I try to distract my vulnerability. And then I act out because of my vulnerability. Holy smokes. What a cycle. And at any point, you may choose to get out of that cycle. And this is why I'm inviting us to slow this cycle down, because this is not something that you have to choose. So here's another option for you. Here's another option. It's much more simple, but it takes a ton of consciousness and humility, humility to not see yourself as a victim, to not see yourself as things are just happening to you, to not see life as unfair you have to be willing to see life differently because experience is not here to hurt you. Experience is here to give you an opportunity to choose and to experience. So here's another uh, uh, way to connect. This is through uh, the, the, what's called the truth cycle or the connection cycle. So let's start off with experience. We've just been talking about experience. Experience is just neutral, right? And then we have perceptions, right? Our thoughts, our feelings, and behaviors. And it's the same thing. Our senses come. We have a sensory experience and we can um, uh, experience senses in the past, in the present, in the future. We can experience our thoughts, feelings and behaviors from the past, the present and the future. And then as we are perceiving inside truth, we create motives. Remember, motives are neutral, too. 
So I want to describe the difference to myself between truth and true. So truth is about objectivity, knowable by a third party, the facts. Um, it's about things that are constant, like there's gravity, there's um, choice, uh, outcome always follows choice. Um, if I, I'm, I'm going to uh, die one day, that's truth, okay? Uh, versus what's true. True is objective, it's subjective. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it's subjective, it's not objective. It's subjective, it's opinionated, it's emotional, it's personal to you, true. It's like, like I like the color red. That's not the truth, it's just what, what my preference is. And you have to recognize the difference between truth and true. Um, and inside your experience, you've got to be able to differentiate between truth and true. Okay. So in all of these examples that I just read about, um, uh, you know, I slipped on the ice when I walked out to my car after work, that was a truth. Um, and then what was true was that it hurt. <laughs> that was true because maybe I slip on the ice and it didn't hurt. But the facts were that I slipped on the ice when I walked to my car. That is the truth. So I get to recognize what the difference is between truth and true and tell myself the difference because it is very important that you don't get those two things mixed up. And then as I perceive inside truth, which is um, I, I uh, differentiate between truth and true, then I have emotions that are inside truth because my emotions follow what I think and what I perceive. And my emotions are, are being emotionally honest and responsible. So when I think about my, the information I got on Thursday, it was actually Friday I got the information. It was Friday, Friday evening. When I, um, so that's the truth. <laughs> when I got the information, um, I went right to feeling this, this, you know, a lot of emotion. And I remember thinking, okay, keep this in truth. Because I remember saying to myself, like, they said she wasn't, like she was healthy. Like, how did this happen? I mean, I just saw her last weekend. I, she was supposed to go home this week. How is this possible? So I had all these questions. I didn't have any truth. I just knew what I was told. So I started feeling emotions. And um, so from that position, you then act out behaviors because you've already perceived, then you're feeling and then you act out behaviors inside truth. So you, your acting out behaviors are choices to be vulnerable. My other acting out behaviors inside distortion are choosing not to be vulnerable, like choosing not to embrace the experience and choosing not to be in an in a, in inevitable pain. But inside truth or the connection cycle, you choose to embrace inevitable pain and stay in truth versus true. You have compassion and empathy and you surrender. I mean, I, I can't stop this process from happening. I have to surrender it. I have boundaries. I, I ask curious questions. If I need to repent or if I need to forgive, um, I can uh, show generosity and be open and consistent and give evidences of safety and trust. And so from that position, um, I, I keep creating more and more experiences because I continue to have experience and stay vulnerable. And so experience just keeps happening, just goes round and round and round. And in every experience, I interpret it inside truth. So here's some examples. Um, same experiences. I dropped my cell phone and it broke, period. That's an experience. And that means here's truth. It broke. And then here's my true. I'm disappointed and upset that it was fragile and, and yet very expensive. So there was the truth and there was true. I pulled my gloves off in the wintertime. My wedding ring came off. Never to be seen of again. That means truth. I lost my ring. Truth. My fingers shrink in the wintertime. And I will now pay more attention to that in the future. And I'm super sad and distraught. There's a bunch of true my colleague said she liked my outfit that I wore, and that means she likes the same type of dress that I do. That's all it means. It's just a preference. I won the spelling bee. That's the experience. And that means, in truth, after working hard, I was able to accomplish my goal. I'm not worried about what others uh, got, rather how well I did. I'm proud of myself. There's much a true. I gave my two-year-old a sip of my Coke and she coughed all over my face. There's the experience and that means, here's truth, her little throat can't handle soda yet. 
And then here's true. I will wait and see. I will even, uh, I will even after my neighbor, I will even ask um, my neighbor what he does with his kids. Sorry, didn't write that right. I slipped on the ice and I walked to my car and that means, there's your experience, here's truth, I might need to see a, a chiropractor to get my back fixed. And here's true. This is also the second time I've fallen this week. Actually, that, that's truth. I will be very careful, especially when it's dark. I was promoted at work and that means my boss appreciates my work. Now, that may not be the truth. That might just be something that's true. We don't know. We don't know what the truth is there. I will ask him what I'm doing right and how I can improve. My girlfriend says she doesn't like me. Experience. Here's the truth. I'm still a good person. Here's the truth. And here's true. I'm sad because I will not spend as much time with her again. Hear the true in that? I was invited to the party and Rick wasn't. There's the experience. And that means I got to go to the party on Friday. That's the truth. Here's true. I wonder how Rick feels for not being invited. I will go ask him. I am excited because my favorite band will be there. I won the game tonight, which made me undefeated for the year. There's the experience, and here's the truth. I'm glad for my dad, who taught me all those years growing up how to play. And next year, I'm going to have to work um, just as hard to win. So those are experiences. They're the exact same experiences, and the person gets to choose what additional experiences they want to have by how they perceive them. Are they going to perceive them in distortion or in truth? So life is about being vulnerable. Whether you like it or not, you are vulnerable. So the question is, will you accept your vulnerability and move with it and move through it and be honest and responsible and humble? As you choose either truth or distortion, you will experience outcomes. This movement of choice and outcome always goes together. With every choice, emotion comes, will always follow. Sometimes others... Um, Others will feel emotions uh, because of your outcomes. And you always have emotions. You always have outcomes after you make a choice. You can also have financial or sexual or physical or social or legal or, legal or familial or psychological or any other outcome as well. These outcomes give and create new experiences and thus give you another opportunity for choice and outcome. Choice to choose truth and distortion. And thus the cycle continues. So here's your invitation. Slow down. Think about what, the whys, the meaning, the choices, the outcomes. What's in truth or what's in distortion? Change distortion back into truth. The constants in life are experience is constant. Vulnerability is constant. Your perceptions are constant. Whether in truth or distortion, they're constant. Your feelings will always follow. They're constant. And then you always make behavioral choices. And you will always have outcomes. Those are the constants. These characteristics are always present and you are engaging them. So you need to be aware of how you are engaging them, either in truth or distortion. Life continues to give you new opportunities to practice. When we choose truth, we experience peace. We experience our vulnerability. We experience validation, calm, awareness, curiosity, safety, trust, surrender, compassion, empathy, and distortion creates confusion, anger, fear, tons of fear, addictions, dishonesty, isolation, drama, lust, self-destructive behaviors. So which one do you want? Slow down. Don't react. We're all looking and desiring connection, looking for and desiring connection. Connection only manifests and is created when someone lives the principles that govern it, which is living in truth, being honest and responsible and humble. Experience is, giving, um, experience is being given to you thousands and thousands of opportunities to practice the how-tos of connection. So do it. Humble yourself and practice how to connect. Learn these cycles and critique yourself daily, moment, momentarily, and change Change your fear into truth. Change control into truth. Change your distortions and distractions back into truth. You just need to see them so you can interrupt them and change them into truth. So do it. Do it now. Do it today. Connection is now. 
We so appreciate you and your support in spreading this crucial message to your family, your friends, and your coworkers. Your greatest compliment to us would be for you to refer your loved ones to the podcast and classes at connectionsclassroom.com. Please go on to YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram and follow us for continual education, motivation, and truth. Stay connected, my friends.